So you see, when you start adding anything to it, you just added doubts and questions to your salvation. Or if it's something that God's going to save you at the end, if you, if you, if, 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 then that means your salvation depends on you performing. That means that your salvation was not a gift. It wasn't free. Christ didn't give it to you. That you're not saved by grace. Because you're going to be judged by your works to see whether you've made it or not. No, the only answer up here that's right is believe in the name of the Son of God. By believing on Christ, as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. You become God's child. That day, that moment, you trusted Christ as Savior. Well, people say, well, if you're really saved, you're going to serve the Lord. Okay, if you're really saved and you're going to serve the Lord, then why would God ever have to chasten any of His children? What would chastening be for? If they are automatically going to, guaranteed, serve the Lord, then why is God chastening His children and taking some home in advance? Because, you see, if you don't live right, your Heavenly Father is going to chasten you. Now, if you can't mess up your life and ruin your life and shame your life, then how come He's able to chasten you as though you were His child? Are you His child or not His child? I've said this before. We've had three children. Hard way, one wife. Three children in our family. And when they're obedient, they're mine. When they're disobedient, they're hers. No, whether they're obedient or disobedient, they're still my kids. And so that means that just because those kids are yours, they're automatically going to serve you and do right, right? Is it guaranteed? It don't work, does it? And neither does it work with this idea. So yes, God will chasten you because you are His child. And the reason He can chasten you is because you're still His child when you were rebelling against the Lord. When you did live as you pleased, you're still His child. And if you go trying to change all of this because it makes it compatible with what everybody else teaches and so forth, you're never going to be clear and you're never going to have peace of mind. I don't owe anybody out there an explanation of why God does what He does. Except what He reveals in His Word. And what He has revealed in His Word, salvation is free. Any way you cut it, you can't earn it. No way possible. And once you have it, you can't lose it. And I don't care how that sounds to anybody. And whether it sounds fair or just or whatever, it's the way it is. God said it. That settles it. Whether anybody wants to believe it or not, it is still the truth. And I don't have to, and I've told people this. I will state my position, but I'm not interested in debating my position as though I might be wrong. Because I've done settled that too. I know what this book says, and I believe it. I've had people call me up sometimes, and they want to correct me. They got, there's always people trying to correct me. Some of them are trying to correct me because they read Dr. Hank Linsom's articles on the Bible line. And said, you know you said this and you said that. I said, well, I, I didn't say that. Hank Linsom said that. Go get him. He said, well, where's he at? Can I talk to him? I said, sure. He's in heaven. Go get him. So I want to defend my position but just to get in a big argument with somebody, it's a waste of time. Now, if you want to listen to what I said, listen to what I'm saying. And when I get through speaking, 
You either agree or you disagree. But don't talk to me like you're going to change my mind. I've already made up my mind. I teach what I believe. Now, look at the next statement. Number nine, which statement is correct? Everlasting life can be lost because of backsliding. Everlasting life can be lost because of deep sinning. I mean, really, really bad. Everlasting life cannot be lost. Everlasting life cannot be lost, period. You say, but what if you backslide? Take your Bible, look in the book of Hebrews. Turn in your Bible to Hebrews and chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. It is the will of God that we serve Him and do right. But sometimes people don't always do right. So now notice what it says. In verse 38 of Hebrews chapter 10 says, Now the just, that's those who have been saved by faith, shall live by faith. It means that you read and study the Word of God and do what God wants you to do with your life. You take God at His Word. But, but, see that word, but, but, if any man draw back. And this is where people get the word backsliding, draw back. Some people can't backslide because they haven't gone far enough forward. But anyway, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. Did it say that you're lost now or did it say he doesn't, he's not pleased with you? Then look what he said in verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, to where you're lost, where you perish. We're not them. We don't believe that. And then he says, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul, even those that do not obey and do right. And as he says up here in verse 26, look at verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. It means that if I really rebel against God in the future and do all those deep, ugly sins, there's not going to be another sacrifice by Christ for those sins. And the reason is, He already has paid them. You see, He died on the cross 2,000 years ago for all the sins before Him and after Him. You see, those sins have already been paid. Well, if those sins have been paid... I don't have any sins to pay for. The reason I can't go to hell today and the reason I can't go to hell tomorrow or any time in the future is because I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ died and paid for all my sins. You say, well, you don't deserve that. I agree. But it's still the truth. I'm going to heaven not because of what I've done. I'm going to heaven because of what He did. And just like I will tell you, those bad deeds is not going to send me to hell. But I also tell you this, all of my good deeds, am I not a preacher? Oh, I, I get 10 brownie points for that. Uh, did I speak in different places this week, in the radio and up there in uh, Land of Lakes? And I, I ought to get another five points for that. So if I was to list all the good deeds that I've done, for the last 53 years, all those good deeds, they have nothing to do with me going to heaven. They can't even help me go to heaven. And those bad things that I do can't help me go to hell. You see, my destination is all based upon did I or did I not 
except Christ as my Savior. So 53 years ago, when I was 18 years old, I trusted Christ as my Savior, and God gave me eternal life as a gift. He gave it to me because He loves me. I serve the Lord, not to get to heaven, but because I'm going to heaven. And I don't want people rejecting the free gift of eternal life because of my sorry testimony. Therefore, I want to try to do what's right because I don't want to be a stumbling block to others that might stumble over something that I do. So yes, the Bible says that, uh, yes, you could slide back, but not you can't lose your salvation. We believe to the saving of the soul. You've got to go by what the book says. And in the Old Testament, you'll find an awful lot about backsliding Israel, backsliding, backsliding, backsliding. That's because he's talking to them as a nation. As a nation, they did this. And as a nation, they were to come to God. And as a nation, they were to humble themselves and seek His face and I will heal their lands and so forth. That was a promise to Israel. That's not a promise that if I do that, He's going to restore our country. A lot of people use that for that there. And you can apply that if you want to, but in its primary order and where it belongs to, in the context, it was a reference to Israel because they had done that. But anyway, look at the next point. Number 10, God puts His blessings upon religions and couldn't or wouldn't curse any message as long as the person preaching is sincere. And you know, sincerity is everything. A person's got to be sincere. And when you go to the medicine cabinet and you got what you thought was aspirin and it was, wife had put some arsenic in there by mistake. And you took the arsenic instead of the aspirin. Well, you're still dead. Has nothing to do with sincerity. It's like some people say, no. And I've done a lot of funerals. Here's a casket. There's a person. Now, if it's a shame if it's an atheist, you know, all dressed up, nowhere to go. Or you say, this person is dead. There's another casket over there. That person is really dead. That person over there is gloriously dead. But then you turn around and say, when people get saved, oh, I was gloriously saved. What was you? I was just saved. Yes, but were you really saved? But you're either saved or you're lost. It's not that he's saved, but she's really saved. And he's gloriously saved. Well, if he's saved, he's really saved. And if he's saved, he's gloriously saved. But you see, people try to put little tags on it as though it's, it's a, something different in here about this. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gave you everlasting life, and he'll never lose you. And that is one glorious salvation. So, the message here is the answer is false. And I want you to look at a scripture with me. Look there in the first chapter of Galatians. Look in Galatians in chapter 1. What about people who preach another message? Even though, you know, they may not do it exactly like you do it, but they're just as sincere. I've heard that a lot. Okay. It's one thing if we're talking about the same message. And people preaching the same message, same gospel, with different motives, as he talks about in Thessalonians in chapter 2, which happened. And Paul was thankful, regardless of their motive, even though they were trying to add affliction to his bonds, 
At least they were preaching Christ. But that's not the case here. In verse 6 of chapter 1, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert or change, alter the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, and so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. It is an accursed message. And there's a lot of preachers preaching the cursed message in the people that are sitting there, what if he's me? I will swallow. Nope. And they have no clue that it's right or wrong. Because they don't know the Word of God. They don't listen. And you always remember, Salvation is always by grace. Service for the believer is always distinguished between chastening and rewards. Keep them separate. Salvation is what Christ did for me. Service is what I do for Him. Salvation, going to heaven by grace, keeping me out of hell, is always the gift of God. It's because God loved me so much. And now because of what He's done for me, that can never be undone, can't be undone, now I have something to motivate me for the rest of my life. And it's not so that he'll do this. He's already done that. It's my appreciation. It's my way of saying thanks to the Lord for what he's done for me. And because of that, I want to serve him. I want to live the way God wants me to live. But you'll notice up there when he says that in verse 6, called you into the grace of Christ, into another gospel. Another gospel has to be one that's not by grace. The grace of Christ is the gospel. Another gospel will have to add works to it in order to make it different. And things that are different are not the same. And so you have the gospel of Christ, and if you add one work to the message, you have ruined the gospel. And God says in His Word in the book of Galatians in chapter 5, He says, whenever you do this, He says, the message, as far as He's concerned, Christ has become no effect unto you. No effect. Christ cannot save anybody that's trying to save themselves by what they do. And if you think going to church is helping, then He can't save you until you trust Him and Him alone as your only hope. Only hope. You can't put any hope in you or the church, or the preacher, or anybody. You can only put your hope in Christ and what He did on that cross for you. You believe that. And God said He'll give you eternal life. And you don't have to go by your thrill or chill. All you know is, I believe it. God says it. That settles it. And you'd be surprised. The peace and the joy that you can have for all eternity because of that. We need to move on. But look at the next statement. Number 12, which verse tells you that you can know that you have eternal life? Is there one of these verses that actually says you can know you have eternal life? There is one. How many of you know which one it is? Don't talk it out. Just raise your hand. How many of you know which verse it is? Hezekiah 2.4? 1 John what? 5.13. These, quote it with me. These things have I written unto you that keep the Ten Commandments and go to Calvary Community Church and pay 50%. Well, inflation, you know. 
1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know you have eternal life. The Bible teaches that. Isn't that a good thing? Look at the next statement. Number 13, give the reference that tells us what the payment for sin is. What is the payment for sin? We've already told you what it is. It's death. But which one of these verses? See, you need to know where it's found. Learn the Word of God. Where is it found that says what the wages of sin is? Which one is it? Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number 14, what verse says we become the sons of God by receiving Him? Which one of these verses says this? See, every one of y'all, these are not hard questions, but every child of God ought to know them. If you ever want to explain the gospel to somebody, what I'm talking about this morning, you need to understand. It'll help you to be a more effective testimony, a witness, because they will have questions on exactly what I'm talking about right here. These are the questions that the people ask. I've been doing this for a long time, and i got more to come. But I want you to see that this can help you to be armed, to be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks a reason, why do you believe what you believe? How do you know it's true? You can say it, but can you show me that in the Bible? Show me that in the Bible. You say, no problem. 1 John 5, 13, see right there? It says that you can know you have Whew. I led a man to the Lord simply because I not only told him about Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I showed it to him. And he took and looked at the other guys. He said, you fellas, sit down and shut up. It's in the book. And they were fixing to kill me. These were some men that were fixing to do away with me that night, and I didn't know it. But because of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, they trusted Christ as their Savior. And later on became the leaders in the church up in northern Minnesota. Get a chance, you get that book I wrote on the Dora Lake story. All that's in there. I didn't tell a part about that was going to do me in. But that's a powerful verse. Powerful verse. Because... Otherwise, sometimes it's just you saying it, but when they see it in black and white, they see that's in the Bible. The Bible says that. So you want to have power in your life? Learn the Word. There's power in knowledge. Learn it. Look at the next statement. Number 15, the doctrine of eternal security is synonymous with the doctrine of salvation. That is true. You see, eternal security is not a separate doctrine in the gospel. It is the gospel. Eternal security is is the gospel. That's how you know you really believe it's by grace. If any person tell you that they believe you're saved by grace, but you can lose it, they don't believe in grace. And if they don't teach that you can be saved forever and never lose it, you have eternal security. If they don't believe it, they don't believe salvation is by grace. They're telling you that, but they don't believe that. Because if they say you can lose it, why can you lose it? Because you don't do something right. So then your heaven depends on you living. And you don't live right, you don't get it. The only way you can know that you're going to heaven is that it's given to you as a free gift. Totally free, with no strings attached. Isn't that good liberty? Now I'm free to serve God because I don't have to. I'm not in bondage that I have to do it. There's no law that says I have to go to church, that I have to do that. I don't have to do anything. I do because I want to. 
That's so much better. Do you want your kids to love you because they have to, or would you like to give them a choice? Well, I don't know. You want them to love you because they really love you. Wouldn't you like it if they obeyed you because they wanted to instead of, I don't, daddy's going to get that razor strap again. And they do it out of total fear of you. You know, some guys are just plain monsters. And they're like dictators. I've been accused of everything. I'm really a nice guy, though. Look at the last statement here. After you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you should trust Him with every area of your life, believing His way is the best. You say that true? All right, that's where we are. This is where we are. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. Should we serve the Lord because we know God knows what's best for our life? We are His children and the sheep of His pastor. And He is the one that knows us and loves us and has a purpose for our life. And we should, yes, we should serve the Lord. As a child of God, shouldn't I depart from iniquity? Shouldn't I clean up my life? And if I am a child of God, shouldn't I allow the Lord who loves me to lead me and guide me? Shouldn't I do as that song we just sung just a moment ago, the choir did, I surrender all? Shouldn't we surrender to Him and not fight against God? Why should we argue against God as though you can win? Shouldn't you just... See, years ago in Athens, Georgia, about 51 years ago, I was sitting in the church just like this, sitting in about halfway. And the preacher, I don't know what he said. I don't know what the choir sung. I don't have nothing. All I know is the invitation song. And everybody was standing, and they were just singing this as a closing song. And as they sung that song, and I was standing up there, and I got tears in my eyes. I mean, I sit, stood there, and, and I cried and said, Lord, I surrender everything that I have, everything that I am. I, I surrender my family, job that I didn't have, anything that I had. I give it everything to you. And if I remember correctly, I think I might have come down to their front and I knelt at the front and sobbed like a baby. Nobody made me do that. I did because I wanted to. But I remember that incident. I remember standing there. I remember that song. Because see, nobody can make me do anything. And I'm so glad. Because, see, trusting Christ as your Savior, you can't make somebody else trust the Lord. It's a choice. It's the, your own will. When it comes to serving the Lord, it's your own choice. Nobody can make you serve the Lord. But if you really appreciate what God's done for you, He said, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world. A lot of them are. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, God has something perfect for every one of His children. A lot of them will never find it because they'll never renew their mind. You can't live the great Christian life with the same mind you had before you got saved. God wants to renew your mind with His Word so that you'll think the way He wants you to think, so that you'll do what He wants you to do. Letting this hand represent you and me.
this world represents sin. The Bible says we're all sinners. That's on the paper. We're all sinners. And that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's in your notes. The wages of sin is death. We all sin. We all have to die. And to be separated from God. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be not pretty good. You have to be perfect. As righteous as God himself. And we're not. We've all come short of God's perfection. So God says you cannot save yourself. Your good deeds will never pay for your sins. All of your good deeds will never pay for one sin. Death is the payment for sin. So Christ, this hand representing Christ, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took all the sin, all of it, past, present, future, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He says, if you will believe, he did it for you. He would put the payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did. That's a gift. It's free. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. And God says, when I give it to you, it's eternal life. He says, I give unto you eternal life, and no man can pluck you out of my hand. See, when you trust Christ as your Savior, you are trusting him to save you. And he said, he will never cast you out. He said, he'll never lose you. He says, no man can pluck you out of his hand. I'm going to heaven. Not according to my strength. See, I'm not hanging on to God. God hanging on to me. And I can't lose my salvation. I don't have it. He does. He is saving me. He's the Savior. So I am as safe as God is in keeping his word. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, he gave you as a free gift everlasting life, and you go to heaven on what he did for you. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Think just for a moment. Hope you enjoyed your little test. Hope you got a hundred. But if you got something wrong, you might need to look at it. But right now in the quietness of this moment, I want to ask you this question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? Are you positive? How do you know? The only way you can know that you're going to heaven is did you trust Christ and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven. You may have heard about it, but did you add things to it? Have you added on to that? Right now in the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, would you just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe Christ died for all of my sins. And right now I will accept the payment Christ made for me. And friend, God said if you would trust Him, He would save you, give you eternal life. You can know that you're going to heaven. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I want to know because I want to have prayer for you. Is there anyone who will say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you have the knowledge, the tools to share that knowledge with somebody else. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one. We pray, Lord, for a great Sunday next Sunday. With many people come, help each one here to have a burden for souls. To try to fulfill their responsibility to reach as many as we can while we can. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.